film and television, merely entertainment, right? No. There's so much more to film and television that changes our perspectives. And as a result, we can have different, either realistic expectations or non-realistic expectations about what life is really like. Whether it be horror that helps us develop a habit of turning every light on in the house, or a comedy that helps us relieve tension in the saddest times of our life. I want to go in the Wayback Machine and find out exactly what movie helped shape you. I'm Oma Shadi, and welcome to the Between the Bannisters podcast. Thanks, everyone, for joining us again for Between the Bannisters podcast. I'm very excited about our guest today. I'm super excited because we started out really going through film, and then we really expanded to TV. So Sam is actually, well, I just introduced you. Sam Watson, say hello. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> say hello to the folks. So Sam is here with me, and we're actually going to be discussing um, a TV show, right? What are we discussing today? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm really so excited to talk about Buffy. The 90s have come to play. <laughs> <laughs> So let me tell you a little bit about Sam. So Sam is a black biracial television writer who grew up on pierogies and collard greens. His mixed upbringing saw many clashes between his African-American and Ukrainian sides of the family. And because of this, in Sam's own identity crisis in high school, his writing explores the theme of identity and all of its messy, traumatic and hilarious glory. Sam is the co-writer and producer of the short film Woke, which is a satire that asks the question, what if a pill can cure racism? Most recently, Sam was a finalist in the Nashville Film Festival with his dark comedy pilot, Sophia and Dan Versus. And he was a finalist in the Horrigans Film Fest with his horror short, The Grave Digger. Welcome, Sam. Hi, Bo. Thanks so much for having me. <laughs> so excited that you're here. So what I want to start off with is why you chose, we'll get to why you loved Buffy and, and all that comes with that. What made you choose Buffy over a film? Well, I chose Buffy over a film because at the end of the day, I think my brain is just more geared towards television. Yeah. My brain and my heart. I just, I, I love television more than I love film probably. Even though the earliest thing I remember watching over and over and over again was uh, the Christopher Reeves Superman films. Um, which I'm surprised my mom can still stomach apparently from the stories of how much I made her <laughs> rewatch those as a kid. But a green line through yeah. the videotape. <laughs> Tele television is uh really where where my where my heart was, and um, it it had to be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. All right, so let's talk about what you loved about Buffy. Oh my God, um. Let's see. I was a little kid when 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 Buffy first premiered, and oh, that hurts my heart because I'm a lady. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do 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 you need do you need me to stake your heart? No. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and it just it it grabbed me right away. I I think on like a surface level. Um, the horror aspect of it, just the supernatural aspect of it, grabbed me right away. Um, 
as someone who really loved Goosebumps, you know, really early on and the Lost Boys really early on, a supernatural show about vampires was right up my alley. And then, of course, it being said in school, I mean, the characters were older than me, but they, they weren't adults. Right. You know, and and it was a show about non-adults facing danger and dealing with threats that the adults weren't competent enough to handle. Like they had to rely on the, the kids to uh, literally save the world. Yeah. And um, yeah, it just it just grabbed me right away. I love that. And that's what I liked about it because Buffy came out when it was my, I think I was, a, I had already graduated high school, but Buffy came out in my day. Watching it was really interesting because it was, you know, people my age, it was my like freshman year in college, I think that it came out or maybe a little bit before then. And it was just like, yeah, it was kids basically saving the world. And even where Giles' character was concerned, still didn't really, I mean, he understood the task at hand, but did not really get into brass tacks as to what was really going on with them and the Scooby gang um, and their inner workings. So it was interesting to see that they were given a chance to have agency and be taken seriously by at least one adult in the room. And that was really cool to me because being someone who had moved away from home my first foray away from home was literally the next day down. It was Jersey. <laughs> I didn't go far, but it really was, it helped to echo like my sense of freedom and being misunderstood and, and having to explain myself and doing all the things that I knew I was doing and being an adult and taking care of myself and going to school and eventually becoming a mom and not being given the the credit for doing all of that and holding that, literally holding my world up. And to watch that was like, you know, at least they could have that amongst themselves. So I really, I really like that piece about them being able to um, save the world and knowing that and having nobody else know that and nobody else care, but knowing that they in their inner circle knew that was, was cool to me. So I, I like that you, that you mentioned that. Yeah. And even you just like, cause you're, you were just relating it. You were just relating yeah. to it just now. Right. Like, yeah. and that's, that's what was so great about that show. It was just so relatable, probably mainly because, I mean, the way they use the monsters and the monster of the week, um, monsters as metaphors, right? It, yeah. it was all the things that these characters were struggling with in school, just in everyday life, but then mm -hmm. turned into a supernatural threat. But using monster as metaphor just made those characters even more, more relatable. Yeah, and palpable to your audience, too, if you can talk to them in a different way. Like, it was, like, the best after-school special <laughs> show that really tackled super heavy subjects. I mean, for a show that was supposed to be, like, teen-centric, really tackled a lot in its time that I think that, you know, a lot of the saccharine shows like Beverly Hills 90210 and things like that were trying to do but kind of weren't, they weren't afraid of being really heavy with it because kids understand more than we give them credit for and they can process more than we give them credit for. Um, and I yep. think this show did a really, really great job of that. Why do you feel like this show helped shape you as a person or as a creative? First, as, as a creative, that was the first time I watched a television show where 
the the structure of it really hit home for me because um, it was this great mixture of monster of the week but at the exact same time heavily serialized and and it kind of was my first exposure as a kid to like storytelling in in in, in that way um I mean, because before that, you know, I was writing like short stories and poetry and and stuff like that. But watching Buffy was the first time at a really young age where I was like, oh, I want to do that type of writing. You know, yeah. I, I want to be able to, to tackle a story with um, a really expansive mythology. So that's the other thing about Buffy that, that I love so much about it is that it has a really big mythology to it, mm-hmm. you know, um, an entire world um, built built around it. And um, I just really, I just really love that. Like, even just beyond like the characters, but like concepts of like fate and destiny and trying to go against fate and destiny and good versus evil. At that age, it just, it really hit me. And um, it really inspired um, my writing more and more um from from that age i think otherwise as a person um i mean those characters in high school right um buffy comes from from a place of popularity from her previous school um Mm -hmm. and the pilot she's seen as someone who's going to be very popular but she's a loser right and (laughs) and a lot of those other characters are branded social losers you know and you know, with me in school being bullied a lot and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, those characters related a hell of a lot to me, you know, yeah, sure. um, and grown with those characters. And then having hope that, like, I could find my people, you know, mm-hmm. like they had their Scooby gang. Um, I think that was definitely a big part of, of why I gravitated so much to that show. Did you find your Scooby gang yet? I like to think I found a good number of it. Yeah. Good, yay. <laughs> you know, That's a good I'm part. missing <laughs> right now. I'm kind of missing a vampire with a soul. I'm <laughs> missing a vengeance demon. I'm missing a stuffy old librarian that gets knocked out every other episode. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Giles must be afraid to sleep at night, right? Like, people with concussions shouldn't be going to sleep. I know. Right? Please like, don't fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> don't let him fall asleep. No, I mean, I think that that's, that's great. And what's so funny about that, and not funny, haha, but what's so funny about the way you were talking about how that was serialized, and when we think about, like, back in that time, like, we were starting to have, like, you must see TV on like Thursdays for kids or even like Fridays. There was like Boy Meets World and like Family Matters and things like that that had kind of a story, but didn't have really a storyline where you needed to tune in the next week to figure out what happened last week, unless it was a very special, you know, (laughs) blossom or some shit. You know what I mean? But with this, you're really following along and you have to understand the lore. And it's not... I feel like, and, and let me know what you feel like, I feel like Buffy is not a show where you can just jump in any time and totally get it. Like, you have to go back a little bit and really establish some things. Is that where you, you said you kind of gravitated towards that and inspired you to write? Is that camaraderie that you found or you were looking for? Is that something that you try to give that your characters when you're writing is is it the the storyline and the monsters and the world building that 
really gets you in a creative space? Hmm. Well, I, my cheat answer is kind of all of the above, but <laughs> so probably more character, okay. you know, because um, I, I just feel like all most great stories start with, you know, really great characters. It's at least what hooks you into the world. Mm-hmm. I, I at least, you know, feel like and Buffy was really great with that, with its complex relationships and everything. Um, thing, the thing about Buffy that that. I feel like it really laid the groundwork for the the type of like television storytelling where it was monster of the week, but serialized, like we've been talking about, but like the serialization was in a way where it centered around a season long arc, you yeah. know, with, with the villain of the season, you know, you have your villains of the week, but you have your overarching villain of the season. And I know, like, the X-Files was doing something, you know, similar, mm-hmm. but, but I almost feel like Buffy laid the ground, like, X-Files was one of the earlier shows that laid that groundwork, but then Buffy kind of, like, took it and ran with it, Yeah, you know, with a more honed, like, seasonal approach to, to its storytelling. Um... And even like shows today, like like Justified, right? Like 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 yeah. FX is Justified, completely different show than Buffy, but definitely follows that kind of like bad, almost bad guy of the week, but yeah. set in this very serialized type, you know, type. Yeah. Of show. And also, I feel like a lot of their characters in Buffy were given enough story and enough backstory to when they reappeared in later seasons or. You had their own arc, like it was. It wasn't like they were just thrown in because there was nothing else to write about. Like they was, they were integral to what was going on, and and obviously they had some offshoots of Buffy as well. But a lot of these characters that started out as villains, you kind of had parts that rooted for them, or you loved them because they were a good villain. Like for me, like I'm always gonna love Spike. I can't help that. <laughs> I can't help it. He was a dreamboat. Um, <laughs> Spike's a good one. I, I just watched the episode where he uh, first showed up last night. Oh, at the, at I was like, day. oh, he's so witty. Um, <laughs> but I, no, I always loved his character. And I was like, he's to- I mean, at the, at brass tacks, this guy is a piece of shit. But yes. he's a great character. And the character was written well and it was played well. And I think that that's what's so cool about this show is that um, it made a lot of those arcs of the villains. You expected to see them again. Like you knew that they weren't going to be like who've gone for good. And that was a good thing um, because you did want more interaction with that. Is there an arc or a part of the show or anything that happened in the show where you're like, I wish that that did not happen or I wish this happened another way. I have to. Okay. I, I have two. And I have pretty strong feelings about about both. You have and, all and, the feelings you want, Sam. <laughs> this is your time to shine. And, th- and let me preface this with, I fucking love Buffy. I, I am all about Buffy. You're not going to get in trouble, Sam. It's fine. I know. I own all the box sets, you know. I fuck- <laughs> <laughs> One thing I would change is actually something that happens in probably my favorite two-parter my my favorite couple of episodes in the entire series um okay. season two finale the becoming mm. um kendra dies 
Okay. And if I could change one thing, it would be <laughs> Kendra dying. I mean, it's just, it's just a bad look, you know. I mean, <laughs> the optics are not good. <laughs> it's not great. I I love Buffy. It really speaks to the writing that I I relate to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it's a very white show. It's it's it's, it's an extremely white show. Yeah, it's a and white then, show. Yeah, and then to have this character, this black woman who's a vampire slayer. Surprise, surprise! You find out, mm-hmm. and then to kill her that same season, and then I love Faith, but then to replace her with, you know, another white character, <laughs> white girl. This, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. that. Justice for Kendra, just first, just as a character, even just not being like a black woman. Like, like I just, I really like, you know, that character. I wanted so much right. more of that character. No, for sure. And I remember, you know what, before, and that was like before, there was no MySpace or anything. Yeah. And I remember like being on the forums. Oh my God, I'm fucking dating myself. <laughs> being on the forums and people getting really pissed off that we're just like, legitimately like the only black character you have that's doing some shit that's not like you know instrument of some other you know occurrence yep she's actually doing something and you kill her off for what to motivate buffy to do what to bring in faith to do what and it's you know and and i've tried to find videos on joss whedon kind of explaining that and i really feel like at the end of the day it was all because there was already a vehicle planned for elijah elijah disco to do something with that character already. So they needed to bring her in. But I also have to ask the question, then why even bring Kendra in? Like why make her ornamental? Yeah. What was the point? So I, I, I'm there with you. Being and just not <laughs> understanding like the optics, even if they already knew from early on that like Elijah Dushku was going to eventually come in, but just like casting a black person to play a character, you know, that you knew is, is doomed and not going to be on the show anymore. Right. And then that presence, I mean, Kendra really wasn't on there all that much. I mean, she was probably on there on what, three to four episodes, probably three episodes total Mm -hmm. in in season two. But it was Um, enough to invest in her. Do you know what I mean? As an audience member. It totally was, you know, and, and again, it was great seeing like, somebody not white in like right? in a role in which right mm-hmm. because she's another vampire slayer you know she's Kendra's almost on par with the protagonist of of the show in terms of like her destiny and her power and whatever right and then to just lose her like that um and then to never really make up for that presence like season mm-hmm. three we get Mr. Tripp you know, who's a black guy, vampire, villain guy, but like, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's not the same. No. <laughs> and I think that maybe that was, I mean, it definitely feels like a box tick, which is sad, but I also feel like that storyline was kind of like a bone throw. Like here is the person of color that's, it's also doing this. Um, but also I don't feel like they wrote her. They wanted a big antagonist for for Buffy. And that's really where the Faith character came in. I don't feel like they think Kendra established or was able to establish enough of like a rivalry with her. And I think that they're like, that sells. Like camaraderie doesn't sell. 
yeah. just need to be friends with this girl. So kill her off. So that sucks. <laughs> because I feel it's... like she could have had her own little thing going on and, and been a recurring character if they'd just given her a minute. She could have, right? Because like we were talking about earlier about how the monsters were a metaphor for what the characters were going through at any given time. I mean, Kendrick is is introduced in a storyline where the gang is um, filling out their future careers. They're, they're figuring out by like a test they take in high school. Like, you're going to be this one day and you're going to be this, you know, one day. And Kendrick comes in because all Kendra wants to be is a vampire slayer. Like she's, she's almost the better slayer in a way than Buffy mm-hmm. when she first comes in, because that's just what her life is, is, is yeah. being a slayer where Buffy's, you know, in her junior year of high school, trying to figure out what do I want to do with the rest of my life? Do I have the option to do something with the rest of my life? You know, and then in comes Kendra and Kendra represents like maybe Buffy's way out. Um, maybe what it means to be more efficient and focused, you know, slayer, um, be a slayer as you (laughs) in a way. Um, and then, and then I understand Faith's introduction because it's your senior year of high school, right? Like it's, it's your last year before you're quote unquote an adult, you go off to college and you're without your parents and, how many times in senior year? It's almost a cliche, right? In senior year, you can go bad, you can go good. You're living it up, you're partying it up as a senior, or you're you're about to throw caution to the wind, and that's right. kind of what Faith represented, right? Faith represented yeah. like bad Buffy, put it in very bad layman's terms, bad Buffy. You know, like yeah. what if Buffy just didn't care, or grew up more traumatic, and didn't have right. that support system of her, yeah, of her Stop friends, giving a shit. <laughs> you know, but you know, I, there could have been room for Kendra in that too. You yep. know, but oh, we'll never uh, know. What was your other part? What was okay. your other piece? <laughs> oh no, the hands went together. <laughs> Are you did did you watch Friends? Not if I could help it, but no, I'll, I'll be able to follow along. What, do you understand Ross Geller and the problem? Do I understand him? Or like the um, problem with Ross Geller? Yes, yes, I do. To me, Xander is the Ross Geller. Oh of- my god! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And never it, really knew how to say it and put it together yeah. before. But you know what, Sam? You're on the money. I absolutely adore it. And it's troubling, right? Because like as it a is kid. It's troubling. Oh being like a kid, like being in grade school, right, when Buffy was on. Like Xander was like funny. You know, yeah. like Xander self deprecating. Self deprecating, yeah. sarcastic, you know, kind of like the the, the clown, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. And I, I, you know, I loved Xander early on. And then the yeah. older I got and I grew with the show, you know, and then, of course, rewatching the show, it's just kind of like, oh, my God, this dude, this dude and all of his shit and just how shittily he treats his friends <laughs> when the insecurity <laughs> takes over. Yeah, it's a word. Shittily <laughs> adverb. But no, I get it. I get it. Give me an example. Give the give the folks an example if they've not. I mean, any goddamn time <laughs> where it's a conversation about Buffy and Angel. Ah, uh, I mean, okay. I was just watching the Becoming earlier, okay. um, but like before this, because again, I love the Becoming. It's it's my favorite couple episodes of, of the entire series, and 
they have just found Jenny Calendar's spell that she left behind to give Angel back his soul. And Buffy brings this to to the gang, you know, like there's yeah. a chance we can cure cure Angel. And Xander's just a dick about it the entire time. Yeah. Just a dick about it. He's with Cordelia, but all he's doing is pushing back with a sense, like a tiny kernel of logic to it. A tiny kernel of logic in his argument about not giving Angel back his soul. Yeah. But it's so obscured with just him being a dick to Buffy because like he's jealous. And Oh yeah, for sure. Even, even Giles, whose girlfriend, whose love was murdered by Soulless Angel. Yeah. Seems to be on board with the concept. Oh, I of remember this. that episode too. Oh my god. Oh, I remember I mean, how she's laying and everything. Xander, Xander's, you know, um, you know, Buffy, somebody's like, you know, Jenny, Jenny, Cal- Jenny would have wanted this. This was like her last thing. And yeah. Xander's like, well, Jenny's dead anyway. Just like totally. He's just so he's so what a shit. <laughs> selfish in in his emotions. Yeah. You know, like yeah. the moment that insecurity kicks in, um, he asked. First Buffy, of all, he bagged Cordelia. I don't even know how that happened. She's a 10 and she remains a 10 to this day. But it's like, even when, if you go further down the line, when he does all that putrid mess to, to Anya. Oh my God. I don't even want to talk about it. Cause I'll get really upset. So. Uh, poor, uh, poor Anya. Just. You know, the, the, you know, the time, you know, when women invest <laughs> time in people that we should not invest time in, that is what I'm talking about. Like, I Cord- feel like she, she spoke for all of us. <laughs> Cordelia, Anya, how Xander, how, oh, how. He was the Pete <laughs> Davidson of the Buffy universe. <laughs> it's, I, I, and I, I know, I know a lot of people have problems with, uh, Season six of, of, of Buffy. I, I like yeah. season six a lot. It's the one with Warren, Jonathan, and fuck, what's the guy's name? The blonde nerd who sticks around. Andrew. Warren, yeah. Jonathan, and Andrew. It's their season. The villains like life. Like, doesn't life suck? Isn't life hard? Right. You know, and it revolved around that. I'm like, like, I was always fine. Like, where, where it went, like, Evil Willow and, and, and all that with, with the magic. But I just like, I just feel like the villain should have been Xander, right? Like, right. Like all I mean, that was the next up. logical step, <laughs> right? Because, like, honestly, feel when you think back to it, and you think back, if I feel like when Joss was writing these, nothing wrong with Xander's point of view. Like, I yeah. feel like that's what was coming from. I mean, what's wrong with Xander's point of view? Xander's point of view is my point of view. So, I mean, like, if I was in this situation, like, <laughs> I feel like Xander is an extension of like who he really is. Um, and it's weird because like, it's like Xander is that guy that just like emotionally just stopped growing. Yeah. Up. Well, like everything else around him changed. Like Willow went through being evil Willow and then like having her relationship with like Tara and that kind of um, dynamic changed between them a little bit. And then everything that Buffy was going through, it's like he did not have a place where anything was changing for him so drastically like everyone else that he did not know what to do other than just bitch about it all. <laughs> yeah, I mean... We loved him. 
I mean, talk about somebody who needed therapy, right? Like, <laughs> like, like maybe that's how season six six should have gone. Xander, Xander becomes Xander dark becomes. Xander, and they just yep. bring in a really good therapist to to, to talk him down for for make it four episodes. Yeah, just give him a little, give him a little arc, and then just fucking be done with it. One, but no, I get it. One of my favorite um, things tangential to the show. Uh, a year ago, two years ago, I don't know how time works anymore since it's okay. <laughs> it's a construct. <laughs> but um, the the Buffy comics rebooted. Mm-hmm. So for a while after the show, they had like an eight season. They had like five more seasons or something like that in the comic books, and then that ended. And now they they're doing a new series, mm-hmm. and I love um what they've done with Xander. I, yeah. I really, I really, really love it. So the other comic series was an extension of the show. It was just yeah. a sequel series, but now they've rebooted it. So like they've they started the story over in modern times. Like mm-hmm. everyone has cell phones now. It's it's, it's present yeah. day. No pages. And, um, so, like a slight spoiler, if you know, if anybody's going to read the the comic book, oh, yeah. um, it starts off with you know like um narration, this narration yeah. box, right, with with dialogue. Mm-hmm. And it's dark thoughts, you know, it's ominous sounding, and you think, like, villain, right? You eventually get to reveal that it's Xander writing in a journal. And mm. the way they handled it was that, like, all all the that insecurity shit, like, all that stuff that Xander is feeling and not processing great and struggling with, like, yeah, it's dark and, and not good. And the comic really presented it that way instead of just jokey Xander, no matter mm-hmm. how harsh he says something, it's fine. It's we can be mad at him for a second, but then he'll say something funny and it's fine. It's not actually toxic, you know? Um, but the comic really dealt with it in a way of like, something's wrong here with this guy, you know, like mm-hmm. he's really struggling. And um, yeah, I just, I just really like, like that modern approach to approach to that character. Um if they ever if they ever redid the show in some way and they mm-hmm. had to redo that again, I mean, I just think that's such a great way to actually handle that yeah. kind of type of character. Yeah, and just to, to fuss up about it and really like just vocalize it as opposed to just letting him be this like nefariously toxic person that they're they kind of shrug and be like, that's just how he is. And everybody kind of moves out and everybody's fine with it. It's so weird. I mean, in the season one finale in Prophecy Girl. Um, he, he asked his Buffy out, you know, to, to, to the dance, to the spring fling. The fling. Yeah, the spring fling. And, you know, she's like, I'm sorry, I don't see you that way. And then he, he takes another jab at Angel. A guy, I guess a guy's gotta be undead to make time with you. You know, and it's, it's really harsh. And then Xander's like, well, you know, I just don't take rejection well. And, and, And then it's kind of like, oh, poor Xander. You know, and it's yeah, now the focus is on Xander and not his toxic behavior. <laughs> yeah, that he's being a dick to his friend <laughs> that he cares about. Recently, yeah. That that being said, like there were times where I really liked like how they did things with Xander. Uh, one mm-hmm. of my favorite episodes is the Zeppo in season three, yeah. where the entire episode is from Xander's point of view. And mm-hmm. he's just dropping in and out of like, it's really funny because it's, it's his side adventure. And then he's dropping in and out of what would be like this big epic A story. The Hellmouth has reopened. They're battling back a demon and Xander's just coming in and out of that story with his wacky side adventure. But 
it was such a great way to do that character. Maybe there was one scene, one moment with Cordelia where mm-hmm. maybe his his playing off of her came off like kind of shitty. But other than that, it wasn't like him playing off the people he cared about in a shitty way. It really framed Xander of like, oh, this like side character with his own agency and his mm-hmm. own shit that he's struggling with. And I don't know, it was just it was just a great way to focus on that character without any of the actual like toxic stuff that, right. that would happen with him bouncing off the the other the, the main characters. I like it. I like what we've discussed here, Sam. <laughs> I'm glad you made like the correlation between Ross Geller and Sander because I'm screaming. It's perfect, right? It's perfect. Absolutely letter perfect. If we take it to the other end of the pendulum swing, what is your favorite scene or one of your most formative episodes that you absolutely love to pieces? Not to talk about it to death, but the becoming the uh, yeah. season two, um, two part of the season finale. Get it. I just, I just love it, man. It's, I mean, it is, it is what the title says. It, it's about becoming. You know, it's about Buffy coming into her own after a season in which she was lost about her future and everything that happened with Angel, you know, falling in love, um, having sex for the first time, and then this guy loses his soul. Womp womp. <laughs> you know, and all, all the emotional abuse that that, that came with that. Um, yeah. She grew up a lot in that season. Um, she went from she went from having thoughts of Kendra can take over for me to yeah. then really embracing and you know, her being a slayer and killing the guy that she loves in the end to save the world, you know, putting her real life aside um, for her, her duty, you know, Mm -hmm. and those two episodes just really encapsulated all those characters for me. Um, The first part is very villain heavy about how Angel got his soul, um, how, he came to be a vampire, um, how Drusilla became a vampire, and just Angel's journey to get into where Angel's journey to catching up to the beginning of the Buffy series, to yeah. him choosing to be a good guy and what his ultimate faith is, his ultimate fate is, whether it's for the side of good and or for the side of evil. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I just feel like those two episodes were just so heavy in theme and really built on so many ways the character relationships that I just it's just Buffy at, 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 at its best really at its finest I love that because there is so much and especially for like when we talked about uh, earlier that kids can handle more information and process more information than we give them credit for and, and having episodes like that that are that heavy and so much going on um, I think is important for kids to see um and how we process and seeing people, seeing other kids, even though they're older than us, having a hard time with things. And it's not just you, <laughs> you know, yeah. things are supposed to get easier as you get older and, and having these same struggles um, is really, really interesting to see. So I'm glad that that's one of your favorite episodes because I, I like that one too. And, and it's dark. I yeah. mean, be, besides Kendra dying, um, mm-hmm. I mean, Giles, they torture the shit out of Giles. Absolutely. <laughs> they, they capture him. Oh. Angel torture. <laughs> Talk about a lot, <laughs> um, 
Drusilla fucks with his mind and and he believes he's talking to Jenny Callender, you know, yep. who Angel had just murdered earlier <laughs> earlier in the season. Like that's that that's pretty heavy stuff for like a, just just what I think before that people would have been like a kid show. It's just a yeah. kid show. Well, why do we have to worry about complex relationships or complex themes or right. or things like that? And it was great. Hush is actually my favorite Buffy episode. Which one? Hush. Oh, Hush is fantastic. Of course. That's of course. My favorite. What do you love about Hush? <sighs> what's not to love? <laughs> I think what's interesting about that one and why I like it so much is that there's so much up until that point that it's the banter that really drives a lot of the show. Like it's, you know, the very like incredibly self-awareness of Willow who's very flitty and, you know, that's her dynamic. And then Xander who is, you know, <laughs> toxically, you know, trying to justify his behavior. And then you just have this, this um, dynamic between this crew that's so personality driven and you have you literally rip that out of it and you just have very very raw character study in that that's really what i loved about it because it was just like there's literally nothing to be going on about you can't really play off each other other than what you're given situationally right here i think it was a strong episode but i think it was a really good look into how well the cast played off each other as well yeah. given this situation um and that's really really difficult especially if that's your dynamic is to just be like and that's you know that's that's what your characters are built on like gilmore girls like their dialogue first of all i can't stand gilmore girls so i'm probably gonna get hate for that but i can't i can't fuck with it because nobody talks that fast in real life nobody is like you know like fucking vaudeville you know bob hope playing off each other and bullshit like nobody does that that's not real life sorry that's like a sidebar gilmore girl hate but i think that's what i liked about this episode is because you they had to focus on the dynamic in a different way and I thought it was a very, very cool way to go about it. And I will watch it a million times. <laughs> it's just a good it, episode. It shows it shows how um shows how fantastic the characters already were. Yeah. Right? I mean, because if you have I feel like great dialogue like that can probably mask over a little bit of shittiness with characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, they stripped out the dialogue and all that was left were these already really fantastic characters. Yeah. Just playing off of each other and trying to communicate in other ways. And yeah, it just showed that like what a strong set of characters, what like rich characters they already were. Otherwise, that episode probably doesn't get pulled off the way it did. Right. And I feel like as a screenwriter, that had to be, I mean, well, if you created your own show and your show is successful, people are probably going to let you do whatever the fuck you want anyway. (laughs) But I can imagine bringing that to somebody and being like there's no dialogue in this episode at all (laughs) it's literally all action there's like 49 pages of action i hope everybody's okay with that um i can't imagine how hard that is to get through somebody trying to do that these days yeah like as someone like you and me trying to get in the room and being like well i have this great idea for an episode it's all action and they're gonna be like that's cute (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and they buried 
a huge character reveal in that episode yeah. where Buffy and Riley both find out about each other. He finds mm-hmm. out she's she's a slayer. She finds out he's part of a demon hunting paramilitary group. Yeah. <laughs> and and they bury that in an episode where no one can talk. Mm-hmm. You know, and it all and it was all just relied on the emotion of it. Yeah. Instead. And then to end the episode with those two being able to talk but then not being able to find the words. I mean right. Fucking yeah. great show. Fucking yeah. great episode. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't talk about like Don at all. How do you feel about Don's character? I like Don. I, I know it's very split. Like, <laughs> like I, I know it's very split, but I I like Don. Uh I had no problem with it. I mean it was definitely a twist when suddenly it yeah. was like, Mom, what? Buffy has a sister? I lo- I loved it. I, I think I think that's what I remember listening to um commentary on DVD commentary <laughs> actually on an episode of um Angel. And I forget which writer was was given the commentary. I wish I could remember. But it was it was a season 5 of Angel where Spike has been a ghost at Wolf Wolfram and Hart. Yeah. And they get a package in the mail. They open up the package. There's a flash of light. And Spike is corporeal again. He's not a ghost anymore. And the writer was really funny about it. The writer was like, this is what I love. So you want to make Spike, Spike corporeal again? Just say, flash of light, magic. You know, he, he's <laughs> corporeal again. Um, that's what I love about the show. They, they, they could do so much within that world. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like magic and, and stuff like that. And for me, for me, there was never really anything that kind of jumped the shark, you yeah. know, in, in, in that sense. So Dawn suddenly, you know, apparent worked for me, the reasoning behind it. Um, and I think the, one of the big reasons why it really works for me is that season five finale where Buffy dies to save the world, but also to save her sister, mm-hmm. you know, from first and foremost. And just that emotional conclusion to that season arc and that sister-sister relationship just worked really well for me. Um, but, you know, that was the last episode of Buffy on the, on the, on the WB. And, you know, and she, she dies. She legit dies, you yeah. know? And I just thought that that was such a great, ending to that character quote-unquote ending to, to, to you know to that well, character um, um, <laughs> I, I was i was fine with don um i was yeah, younger I, too so yeah. like her her like little sibling kind of like yelling about yeah, things sister. being unfair was kind of fine with me but <laughs> yeah i mean i was like uh, did we get um, all right. <laughs> that was like <laughs> my reaction to it because it was just like, wait, what? I mean, okay. Like, what am I going to do about it? Like, <laughs> I'm going to run to the forum. <laughs> <laughs> can't bitch about it on social media. There wasn't no, any. I totally um, get it. I, I, I know it was like totally split. Oh my God, it threw me for a freaking loop. <laughs> but if you had to tell somebody about Buffy, they have no idea. They've never heard of Buffy in their whole entire life. Could you do it in a few sentences? Could you describe the show in a few sentences? Oh, man. You Give me a long right. line. I'm just going to do this. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> can, can, I'll do it, but can we at least not call it a log line and not put me through that trauma? Okay. 
Jesus Christ. Give me, give me, give me a synopsis. Fuck, that's not any better. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just say sentences. Few, few words. Few collective words there, <laughs> Sam. How's that? Um, Buffy is about a teenage girl that discovers she has this big epic destiny to protect the world from evil. But she's just wants to but she struggles with living her life as just a normal teenage girl, like you know, like any of us. Um that's kind of what I got. <laughs> I mean that kind of boils it down, right? Perfect. This is perfect. Very nice, um, Sam. I mean, one of one of the best shots in the pilot is Buffy opening up a chest, and the top layer is just kind of like normal things you would find for a teenager, you yeah. know. And then she takes off that top layer, and underneath it's all the vampire hunting equipment, right? You know, and that's <laughs> that's really the basic struggle with that character, right? Yeah. It's just she's she's it's just like, a sixteen year old girl um mm -hmm. one of the best lines that i feel like with that entire series um the season one finale again prophecy girl where she finds out she's prophesized to die when she goes mm -hmm. up against the master she's so vulnerable when she just tells giles to giles i don't want to die i'm 16 you know and that, that's like the just like the core struggle with that character between this epic destiny and just being a teenager who wants to have her entire life ahead of her right you know? and not die <laughs> and not die you know not die. that would be great <laughs> but also another great relationship there with buffy and giles yes yeah. it's, it's one of my favorite i feel like where xander kind of fails <laughs> i feel like yeah. has to pick up the slack <laughs> yeah that that almost like father-daughter relationship between giles and buffy i do for like me it. is one of the best in that whole that whole I wanted to like the Spike Buffy relationship. You think I would, but I did not. <laughs> well, you know it goes places. <laughs> oh, it definitely does. <laughs> can Can I ask you a quick question? Sure. It's tangential to Buffy. Did you watch Angel? Didn't. You didn't watch Angel. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Um, because I really liked what their storyline was together and i just wanted it to end there okay i mean it, i'm sure it was a fantastic show and i'm probably i'm sure i probably missed out on a fucking lot but i just wanted it to end there because it was like if i keep watching it i'm gonna get furious because i feel like in some way they're going to devalue him and buffy's relationship by bringing up some big past love or some kind of other crap in that show. It's going to piss me off. So I didn't watch <laughs> it. You wanted to like, protect yourself. so many forums, Sam. I can't be upset. <laughs> uh, how did you handle crossover episodes? There was um, at least a couple of them. Pretty fine. I did pretty okay. Okay. I did, I did okay. I was just like, you know, I, I knew I was like, I just have to stay with it. Like, at the end, I literally had no justification for not hopping in at one time when it started being on syndication to be like, eh, I should give this a shot. I still have never watched the show. If you do at some point, can can we do another episode about it? <laughs> you want to do an angel one? You can hop on here anytime, Sam. I don't give a shit. No, no, no. I, I want to do a, <laughs> an episode with you after you watch the, the oh my entire God. Am I being interviewed? This is so fun. Uh-huh. 
and, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll flip the script. Right? <laughs> oh, flipping the scrippage. I do have one final question before we scoot. What do you feel like, and I ask everybody this because everybody kind of pulls something else from some film or TV show, what it really, what it was really trying to say. In your opinion, what do you feel that this show was trying to, to say? Oh man. I mean, kind of what we were talking about earlier at, at its core, I, I really feel like the show is just trying to say that kids, teenagers have agency and are full complex human beings still growing obviously still emotionally growing physically growing all of that still developing but goddamn do like you know <laughs> teenagers still have full spectrum of emotional experiences um especially as they happen along the way you know your first love your first sexual experience your first kind of just really being angry at the world yeah you know and how those experiences build and you grow um I like to believe that's kind of what it was doing at its core, um, just in how they use the supernatural and the monsters as metaphor and just really teasing that, that stuff out. Like I said, even season six, you know, by the time we get to season six, I mean, life was just kind of the villain, right? Just kind of mm -hmm. really tearing everybody down in that, in yep. that season until Didn't give a, fuck. <laughs> a lot of them hit breaking points, you know? Um, I really just think that's, yeah, I think that's what the show was just trying to say, at least the kid part early on. We're monsters being a metaphor. There's so many monsters that are scary to teens that are not scary to adults or that teens see that adults don't see. Exactly. Anymore. And that's, that's so, it just makes you feel so bad for like younger us that like, what were we going through that things we didn't tell anybody or things that our adults didn't think were a big deal or even people that were older than us where it was like, oh my God, it's not a big deal. Or we weren't believed. Yeah, Leah, like you're yeah. saying, it's not a big deal. We just weren't believed in like yeah. the terrors that we were facing. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, like being like bullied in school, right? It's that's mm -hmm. like real emotional trauma. Right. And how many adults, whether it's teachers or parents, might have the reaction of, it's just kids being kids. Don't, you know, don't worry about it, you know? Yeah. And Buffy took that and made that sort of thing literal monsters, you know, yeah. to, to be killed. And it was up to the teenagers to deal with it because the adults couldn't or wouldn't or didn't see right. it or didn't want to right. see it. It's, it's so deep. <laughs> it's so deep. Um, no, I'm so glad that we talked about this today because the minute it was like, because I, every time I ask somebody, I'm yet to be disappointed with somebody's choice. I'm so excited because everyone has been like, yes, I'm going to talk about it. Yes, I'm going to talk about this. So when you said <laughs> Buffy, I was like, yes, I'm going to talk about it. So this has been great. But Sam, where can the kids find you? Are you out um, and about anywhere, film festivals, what's going on? Where can they see you? Um, I think right now you just find me on Twitter, Instagram at Sam B. Wright, S A M B W R I T E. Oh, how musical. <laughs> I sing all the letters. Do you want me to do the whole alphabet? If you want, I mean, in a year parade. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll do that during the angel episode. Okay. <laughs> a is for angel. Exactly. Um, but Peace no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> it's for Buffy. We do this all night, kids. Um, but I'm so excited, Sam. I'm so happy that you were able to join me today, and you didn't laugh at me hanging out in my robe. <laughs> no, not at all. And and seriously, thank you very much for um, having me on. Literally, any reason to talk about Buffy? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> for, so. for sure. Love it.
Sam, thank you so much, folks. We will see you next week.